Amen. Matthew chapter 3. And uh, I want to say some things that, that I said this morning, but there were some things that I couldn't camp on because on a Sunday morning, obviously, we have uh, a different group. On Sunday night, you have people that are more seasoned in, the, in, in things. On Sunday morning, we have a, a very varied group with a full building. Uh, we might have somebody that's not been saved very long or a few people that haven't been saved very long. And so uh, tonight we'll camp on some of these things a little more. But we made the statement this morning that for a region or a city or a church body to see what God's plan, they, they, to see what God's plan, there must be a voice proclaiming it. There has to be a voice proclaiming it. In uh, any move of God, there has to be a voice proclaiming it. Uh, I, I, I told of the instance of a, of a notable man of God that had notable miracles in his ministry, and he went to a certain part of the country and uh, had a meeting there. And uh, after the meeting, his staff came to him, and they said, it, it doesn't seem that we had the miracles and the healings that we had normally uh, in meetings. And he made the statement, he said, uh, he said, it's because no one's proclaiming it here. In this region, no one's proclaiming it. All right? it, it opens the door for God to do what he wants to do when somebody's saying what God wants to have happen. All right? Hallelujah. Every, every church, every pulpit in a church is a portal into that city that they're located. All right, it's a, it's a portal for God to pour into that city what he wants to do, ever what it may be. That's why you cannot ever just be, uh, uh, people will come to a, a city, and if they're Baptist, they'll go find the Baptist church. If they're Assembly of God, they'll go find the Assembly of God church. If they're non-denominational, they'll look for a non-denominational church. Now, none of those churches are wrong. But that's the wrong reason to go to that church just because I'm Baptist or just because I'm Assembly of God. I want to be where the plan of God is flowing. And so, so there are things that God wants to pour into a city, but he's got to get a group of people that are saying it. He's got to get a group of people that are proclaiming it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, uh, we're not in our cities just as a denomination. We're, we're here as a window and a voice so that people can do two things, see and hear what God wants to do. That's so important. Glory to God. So we can't become short-sighted and just begin to think that God placed us here just to succeed as a church. He placed us here to be a voice in our city, to be a voice in our neighborhoods, to be a voice in Little Rock, to be a voice in Pulaski County, to be a voice in the state of Arkansas, city, state, nation, and world. Amen. But, but somebody has to be saying it. Somebody has to proclaim the word of faith. Amen. It's the word of faith that we preach. I told you the story this morning. I knew of a minister uh, uh, in St. Joseph, Missouri, and uh, very well known in the area where we were. St. Joe's probably 85 miles from uh, Kansas City or something of that nature. 
And uh, he started a church there, just started a Bible study, got a hold of the word of faith and started a Bible study. And the Lord told him, as long as you preach faith, you'll always succeed as a church. And man, this guy preached faith. I mean, every time you turned the TV on, it was faith. Every time you heard him on the radio, we didn't have podcasts and things like that back then. Every time you heard him, it, it was faith. Uh, he and I would be on the same local TBN sta- station. I didn't know him. He didn't know me, but, but we, would, we would cross paths. And man, he would preach faith. And I would listen to him. I would, I, would li- I, would, I would rather listen to him preach faith than eat when I was hungry. I mean, it was, it was phenomenal. I mean, he had all, he had all the, the ministers, Word of Faith ministers at his church. I mean, R.W. Shambach came. T.L. Osborne came to his church. I mean, all the, the men and women that were preaching faith. And it was changing the city. People were getting a hold of things. One day he decided that the Word of Faith wasn't deep enough. I, I read where he said, the theology in the Word of Faith camp is really thin. So he decided to go back and preach something else. He, he decided to get relevant. Right? And he stopped preaching, watch, what his voice was meant for. Every minister's voice is meant for something. I mean, I mean, think about that. We, we talk about what God told all these, these men of God. God told Oral Roberts, take my healing power to your generation. Is that right? So what was his voice meant for? To proclaim the healing power of God. God told Dr. Lester Summerall, take my, show my strength to this generation. Show my strength to the generation that you're in. And what did he do? Went all over the world like a tank, showing the strength of God. That's what his voice was meant for. People would say he was gruff, he was was harsh. No, that's what his voice was meant for. You can't go into cities and tear down strongholds and tear down principalities if you're just going to be soft and easy. His mind, see, he said, I read read in my pastor's notes from a minister's meeting with Dr. Lester Summerall, and he made this statement. He said, when you go into a city, if there's a strong man, pull him down. Amen. He used to land in those foreign countries and step out on the steps of that plane and say, all right, devil, I'm here and you're done. And that was it. Hallelujah. See, that's why his voice was meant to proclaim. And when you start proclaiming something that your voice is not meant to say, the power comes off of it. The power comes off of it. You're not in the flow anymore. You, you, can't, get, you can't get sidetracked by not... I don't get upset with ministers that preach things. Well, I don't understand why he preaches that. That's why he's supposed to preach. Just preach what you're supposed to preach. Hallelujah. So, so, so when God said that, to those those men, I mean, think think about T.L. Osborne. One one moment, just a complete failure. Talked about him and Daisy going to India, and failing miserably, laboring over there for a long period of time, and getting nobody saved. Not not no not one nobody. 
and came back to the stage, broke down physically, felt like failures, went, went back to, to pastoring in the Pacific Northwest. But they went to a revival meeting where there was an evangelist named Gypsy Smith that was ministering and, and began to minister and, and talk about the power of God and the power of proclaiming Christ and how everything that we needed was found in the person of Jesus and in our in Christness. Amen. And, and Dr. Osborne said he went home and went to sleep that night. And he woke up in the middle of the night and Jesus was in his room. And put that anointing in his life. And he said, and at that moment, I got it. I got how we were supposed to do it. Now, it sounds simple, but he said, I just had to go proclaim Christ. Right? And, and, and that's when he started. And, and they went back saying, having in their mouth what they were supposed to proclaim. And it got to the place where they were the first people that you measured their crowds by acres and not by numbers of people. Until Reinhard Bonnke's great meetings, T.L. and Daisy Osborne had ministered to more people face to face than anybody in the history of the world. Now how do you go from a little known pastor and his wife to that kind of move of God? Well, they prayed. They did pray. And we need to pray. I was telling you this morning, I've been telling young ministers more and more recently, you've got to be people of prayer. You've got to be a man of prayer. There's things you've got to want more than food. There's things you've got to want more than entertainment. Hallelujah. If you come to Bible school this year, you're going to read Prophet Ford's book on fasting and prayer. It'll challenge you and help you. But it'll put you where you need to be to hear from God. Hallelujah. So yes, they prayed, but they started saying, they started declaring what God had for them to say. T.L. Osborne would step out and he would tell the people, I am Jesus to you. He wasn't calling himself Jesus. He would say, I'm here. I'm Jesus' representative. And as he'd start preaching the gospel, from the back, miracles would start happening. Blind eyes would open. Wheelchairs would empty. Paralyzed people would get up off the ground. Why? They're saying what God now had a portal to flow his power through. Amen. The answer to the victory in a city are pastors and men and women of God saying what God told them to say. Hallelujah. And you know what the Bible says? It says that the city, the city rejoices, the city is in good terms by the blessing of the upright. That's why what do we declare over Little Rock? Jesus is Lord over Little Rock. Every time somebody drives by our church on Sunday morning, they see people out there with a sign, Jesus is Lord over Little Rock. Hallelujah. Do you see that? So you can't become short-sighted. He put us here as a voice to proclaim what he desires to be said. And that's why you can't get distracted by numbers. Now, this, this is where I, I started to go here a little bit this morning. We're going to get to Matthew. Just bear with me. These are my opening remarks. Hallelujah. My opening, my opening homily. Hallelujah. But anyway, <laughs> no, once we get going, it won't take long. But you can't get sidetracked by numbers. 
Now, numbers are not a bad thing. I like numbers. I like the numbers on last Wednesday. I like the numbers this morning. I like the numbers tonight. You know, there was a time we'd see on Sunday night, we'd see five or six folks. Some of y'all were part of that five or six. Not you, you weren't here. Probably at home asleep. Amen. No, you were in Kansas. Hallelujah. But, but here's, here's my point. You can't get sidetracked by numbers. Are you saying what God told you to say? He didn't say you're a portal if the church is full. Hallelujah. Somehow we got this idea in America that to be powerful, we got to be huge. Nothing wrong with that, but you can get sidetracked by that. I said you can get sidetracked by that. Azusa Street touched the world. But fact is, there was never more than 75 people in that building at one time. And it's the birthplace of modern Pentecost. Hallelujah. One time somebody asked Brother Hagin. They asked about Brother J.R. Goodwin's church. And y'all have heard Brother Hagin talk about the Goodwins. And uh, he pastored a church outside of Houston, Texas. Never ran more than 300 people. But they would always have to put out seats and chairs down the aisle. And they never built, they never expanded. And somebody asked Brother Hagin, they said, why did he never build another building? And he said, two reasons. He said, number one, he was landlocked. There was nowhere to expand in that city. But then he said something that caught my attention. He said, number two, he said, there was a flow of the Spirit that would have been lost if, if, if he would have expanded to a bigger place. There was a minister one time that was standing on a platform in a huge coliseum, and, and he had his eyes closed. When he opened his eyes, he saw into the Spirit. Or actually, before he, opened, before he uh, uh, saw into the Spirit, he saw all these believers with their hands up, and he said, Lord, isn't this wonderful unity? And the Lord opened his eyes. He said, I saw into the Spirit. And he said, throughout that whole massive group of people, I only saw a few shafts of light. And the Lord said, in any meeting like this, there are so many belief systems. And that's what the Lord told Brother Hagin. Brother Hagin said, I've always had more success with healings and miracles in smaller venues. He said, because you get in larger venues and there's so many belief systems. Hallelujah. It's, what's important is that I'm saying what God told me to say. Because that's the portal. That's the portal. And, 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 and what we have in a lot of instances today is we have people that are going from this conference to that conference to trying to find out how to grow their church. And I've never heard anybody talk about be the portal that God called your church to be. Because you can take a church growth system and go have some growth. But, but it's, I heard Brother Copeland say years ago, he said, if you build that church on spaghetti, you got to keep it going on spaghetti. In other words, if you have spaghetti suppers to fund the church, then you got to keep having spaghetti suppers. It's better to fund the church from the flow. Glory be to God. 
the flow. Do, do you see that? Because I, I want to be that portal. And every ministry is that portal to their anointing in, 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 in that city. Our, our, our call is to build faith and frame worlds by the word of God. Our call is to flow in the word and the spirit. Hallelujah. Now, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. In Matthew chapter 3, and we'll, we'll paraphrase some of this, but uh, beginning in verse 1, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And notice he said, repent. Now, when we hear that word repent, very often... I, I know that it can have a connotation for sin, but repent by its basic definition means change your mind. Change the way you're thinking. So notice what his message was when he came preaching. Repent. Change your thinking. Change your mind. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So in other words, there's something here that you can miss if you don't change your thinking. You got to change your thinking because this is at the door. If you know something, I, I hear so many people talking about a last day move of God, but I don't see them changing anything to get in position for it. That bothers me. Because if we know it's here, it's on the doorstep, right? Whatever you want to call it, revival, awakening, move of God. If I know it's here, what's my part and what do I have to change in my thinking to get into it? Hallelujah. And notice John says it's at hand. Well, these things God has said. It's, it's at hand. I've been telling you this a lot lately. Jesus is coming. It's closer now than it's ever been. This, this time of the last day's harvest, this time of the precious fruit of the earth coming in, it's here. It's at hand. So notice he says, you've got to change your thinking. Verse 3, for this is he that was, here's a key word, that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. And sometimes we get this idea that men, prophets in the Old Testament, and even sometimes we get this idea, uh, New Testament prophets, that they're just saying things because that's what they're called to do. This door in Judea on this day was open because Isaiah was willing to prophesy it. We see right here the portal that was open when Isaiah said, there'll be one come and say, prepare the way of the Lord. It was open when Isaiah prophesied it. Do, do you understand that? When you say something, when, you say, when I say something from the pulpit, it's, it's, it's a proclamation. It's something, this is what God wants to do in our city. This is what God wants to change in our city. Pastor Michelle and I have been praying and standing against racism, against racial disunity in our city. I, I'm telling you what, we grabbed a hold of that devil in DeSoto, Kansas. When we started our church in DeSoto, Kansas, 
it was the most racially divided city that I had ever been in. And, and, and if you'd have went into the, the museum of DeSoto, you'd have found out why. It was the headquarters for the KKK. There was a sign up in the streets of DeSoto up into the 60s and the 70s that said, if you're any other race than white, don't be on the streets after 9 o'clock. What it said, it was there. And when we, when we started that church in DeSoto, Kansas, there were no people of color, any other color in that city. Nobody. There was one African-American person that went to a church in that city, and it was Buster Davis in my church. We, you said, what did you start doing? We started coming against that. I'd walk those streets and bind that spirit of racism in the city. I take authority over the spirit of racism. I take authority over prejudice in the name of Jesus. We will have a multiracial, multi-ethnic church in the name of Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. And, 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 and we were busting people in. We were busting people in from the inner city. We had three buses running every Sunday, busting people in. Hallelujah. And none of them was white. You say, what happened? People threw watermelons at us. They'd stand on the side of the road and make ape sounds while we drove the buses. I'm just telling you how ignorant people can be. What, what was happening? We were stirring up the devil because that portal was open and God was able to say what he wanted to say into that city. Glory to God. They closed that museum. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you ever go to the Kansas church, we have a multiracial, multi-ethnic church. Amen. And we're not the only one. Other churches are now multiracial and multi-ethnic. Why? Am I taking credit? No. God gave me a voice into that city. He gave me a portal and a voice that I could speak into that city. And he said, if you will speak it, I'll confirm it. Glory to God. That's why you got to preach what God's called you to preach. And, say, and preach the message that God called you to preach. Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? I was talking to a, a minister not long ago. And I told him, I said, you've got to stay with the message of faith. Now, now, you do with this whatever you want. I said, but you, you can't keep bringing people into your church with conflicting messages. We're not against anybody. But not just anybody's going to preach behind the pulpit. Because we got a portal open. We don't want it closed. Amen. Do you, do you see this? So notice, it's, this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. Saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. What did he say? Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. So John comes saying what Isaiah said he would say. Glory to God. And it started off with change your mind, change your thinking, change the way you see things. Because something was coming they'd not experienced before. The, king, the kingdom of heaven. And in order to see it, they had to change their mind. They had to think differently. 
Right, right thinking leads to right acting, which leads to right receiving. If I think right, I act right, and then I can receive right. There, there are people in our cities that will never know what they could do, be, or have if we don't proclaim it. Hallelujah. Look, look at John chapter 3. John chapter 3. There's so much here. John chapter 3, verse 26. Remember, uh, oh, hallelujah. Verse 26, it says, they, meaning John's disciples, came to him and said, Rabbi, he that was with you beyond Jordan, whom you bear witness, the same baptizes, and all men come to him. Now, notice how they're saying this. They're saying it like, hey, he's baptized, and everybody's going to him. They're not coming to us no more. Look what John said. A man can receive nothing. That, that word, it means take unto himself nothing. Unless it be given him from heaven. So notice what he's saying. He's saying, my calling is to prepare the way. In other words, I can't keep this ministry going at the level that it's going if it was not given to me of heaven. My job that was given to me by heaven was to proclaim the way, to prepare the way. Right? Then notice what he says. You yourselves bear me witness. I said, I'm not the Christ, but I'm sent before him. He that has the bride's the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom that stands and hears him rejoices greatly. In other words, I'm the friend of the bridegroom. And I'm rejoicing greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy is fulfilled. In other words, I had a voice. I prepared the way. I proclaimed the Messiah. Now he's got a voice. Hallelujah. And then notice he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. He has to increase. I have to decrease. So notice something. It was about the plan for John. It was about the flow. Not who heard him. In Christ, I have no identity of my own. It's what he says to say. That's what Jesus said over and over again. He said, I only say those things my father says. Only say what he told me to say. I only do those things my father does. Why, why is that so important? Because there was, there was a flow. There was a flow in the ministry of Jesus because he consistently proclaimed what the father told him to proclaim. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So they were about to enter into a new era. John was preparing the way. They had to change their mind, their thinking to receive it. So regardless of what God wants to do, if I'm not prepared, it'll pass me by. I've, I've got to be prepared. Glory to God. In uh, Acts chapter 1. I know we're going back over some of the same verses. 
But that's all right. The pastor has the gift of repetition. I've, I've watched this over the years. And I've watched ministers move away from what they said God told them to minister. And it never ended well. Because that, that's the portal that's open. That, that's what keeps the, the door open to speak into your city. Hallelujah. In uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, Jesus assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you've heard of me. John truly baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence, not many days from now. So Jesus said, I've told you about the Holy Ghost. You've heard of him from me. Then he says, go to Jerusalem and prepare for the Holy Ghost to be poured out. Go and prepare for the Holy Ghost to be poured out. Glory to God. Then verse 8, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come on you. So notice he tells them what's coming. Power. You're going to receive power after the Holy Ghost. is. But what's your job? Be prepared. Be ready. Be ready. Be prepared. Now notice Acts 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. No coincidence that there are Jewish people from all over the world in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Now understand, this is not called the day of Pentecost because the Holy Spirit was poured out. It was the day of Pentecost on the Jewish calendar. And they're all there celebrating in Jerusalem. And God has a group that he's told to go get ready in a place. Hmm. He needed a portal to get the Holy Spirit into the earth. And he found 120 that were willing Isn't that something? All the, all the multitudes that Jesus touched, there's only 120 here waiting. See, God, God doesn't need a big number to touch the world. And all, all these Jewish people are in the streets, and this pours out into the streets. And they're speaking in tongues. Evidently staggering, wobbling. They thought they were drunk. Woo! Glory to God. Why do they stagger around? Why do they fall on the ground? Oh, drunk in the spirit again. Hallelujah. But notice. Are they not all that speak, verse 7, Galilean? How do we hear every man in our own tongue? Wherein we were born. Now, whether they were speaking in known languages or they were speaking in tongues and they were hearing it in known languages. Nobody really knows. But here's what we do know. They were hearing, and, and notice, 
what they were hearing. Mm, glory to God. They, verse 11, they heard them speak in their own tongues the what? The wonderful works of God. How do you get that into the earth? Through that portal. Through that open door. They went and did what God told them to do. Others said they're full of new wine. I won't read all the verses. But then Peter stood up and began to preach. Glory to God. To these, these people that are just hearing the gospel. But there was a portal open. That's, that's the point I want you to make, to see. Is there was a portal open. By saying, by doing what God told them to do. Glory to God. And notice Peter said in verse 14. He stood up and lifted up his voice, said, You men of Judea and all that dwell at Jerusalem, know this, know, be this known unto you. Hear my words, hearken to my words. These are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was, here it is, spoken by the prophet Joel. Well, yeah, but he was a, he was a prophet. He was a prophet. But a prophet speaks divine utterances. Something that God once uttered into the earth. Joel spoke this at least hundreds of years before Christ walked the earth. And Peter makes the emphasis, this is that that was spoken. There are things that this church is operating in that was spoken years ago. And, and, and not just by us, by other people. There are things that were spoken about Little Rock and this city and Pulaski County that we've come in as a church and picked up. But they were spoken by someone else. Hallelujah. So when something is spoken, obviously words never die. But when it's spoken by the, when it's spoken by the unction of the Holy Spirit... <laughs> Men and women along through the ages and along through the years will pick that up when they're spiritually sensitive. Amen. God, God will have you start emphasizing something because it's been let go. It's been, it's been dropped. It's been put down. Hallelujah. We, we, we started ministering a couple years ago on authority. Well, I started ministering on authority because on the way back from from faith explosion in Kansas, the Lord spoke to me. And he said, many believers, many word of faith believers are, are not exercising their authority. They're just parroting what they hear other people say. And he said, I need you to pick up that subject of authority and teach it. And teach your people how to operate in authority. Not just parrot what somebody else is saying. Hallelujah. Well, you know, Brother Hagin, Andrew Womack taught on the believer's authority. Brother Hagin taught on the believer's authority. Amen. John McMillan taught on the believer's authority. Here you go. Paul taught on the believer's authority. Oh, wait a minute. Jesus taught on the believer's authority. That's where we get it from. But what? where did all this teaching on authority come from? Through the years, somebody would get it in their spirit that's been laid aside, and they'd pick it up. What did they pick up? What had already been said. What had already been spoken. None of us have any new ideas. You've never had an original thought in your life that somebody else hadn't thought. 
There's, there's no new messages. It might be new to me or new to you, but it's not a new message. It can be a fresh revelation to a generation, but it's not new. Somebody's just got to pick it up. Hallelujah. That's a good place for you to say, I'm going to pick mine up. Glory to God. Now, I'm watching my time. I, I remember something. Um, I, I heard uh, a minister say they were actually on a safari in uh, Zimbabwe. And uh, uh, it was a lady minister. And uh, her husband and her son had went off on a safari. And she said, I was there. I was praying. And she said, she said this. She said, the revelation that Brother Hagen brought to the body of Christ about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, she said, the light of that revelation is about to go out, the Lord said to her. And he said, I need you to pick that up and start teaching on it again. Now, here's, here's, here's what was sobering to me. That was two years after Brother Hagen died. So in two short years, the light was being lost. Somebody had to pick it up. Because that's a revelation God wants in the earth. Hallelujah. You know, Norval Hayes taught a lot on worship. And when I say worship, I don't just mean with the music. About worshiping God. Glorifying God. Praising God in your, in your daily life. He wrote a book on it about worship. Tremendous book. I don't, I don't know if you can still get it. I've, I've got a digital copy. I don't know if it's still in print. But here's the thing. He, the, the Lord told a minister, he said, he said, I need you to preach that revelation. Not just preach what the person said word for word. Preach the revelation. Because that's a portal into people's lives. It's something that God wants to be said. And so you, you'll, you'll, you'll hear people, they'll start emphasizing something. The Lord had us emphasize our covenant at the beginning of this year. And, and we're still emphasizing that. We're still hitting on that. Amen. Well, well, why? It needed to be picked up. It needed to be proclaimed that we have a covenant with Almighty God. And it's God's covenant. And it's sealed by blood on both ends. Oh, hallelujah. Well, see, that's part of what God called us to preach. That's a portal. That's an open door into our ministry, into, into our city. Does that make sense? And, and when people want to just go do their own thing, you have your own anointing, you have your own calling, you have your own direction from God. But <laughs> I told my pastor one time, I was talking to him about some things, and I was asking questions, and I made the statement to him. I said, I see no reason to reinvent the wheel. I don't see any reason to reinvent the wheel. If, if I can come and talk to you and get the witness in the spirit about what you're telling me, well, that's the easiest way to do it. Because I pray, I fast, I seek God. I mean, that's my job. That's my business, right? Prayer is my business. But God puts people in your life to be voices into your life to, to aid you. We got too many people starting in the genesis of their anointing. They're, they're called, they're anointed, they have something to say, but they're not clothed. They're, 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 they don't have that garment of a father. They're afraid to pick something up that somebody preached and, and minister it. You, 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 you can't be concerned about that. It's not about being original. Well, I, I don't want to be an echo 
I want to be a voice. Everybody's an echo of somebody. Amen. I've had people tell me, you sound just like that guy. Praise God. Brother Copeland used to put his tapes out on, on the tape table. And Brother Hagin came to him one time and said, Kenneth, I don't mind you preaching my messages. But you could at least change the title. And Brother Copeland said, nope, that's the title the Holy Ghost gave that message. I'm going to keep it on there. Amen. You know, can I, am I helping you all with this? When I started pastoring, I didn't know how to pastor. When, when I was growing up in the Pentecostal church, there were only two, two, there were only two pastors, there were only two offices, only two, evangelist and pastor. And, and if you didn't think of yourself as a pastor, you had to be an evangelist. So I knew I didn't want to pastor, so I must be an evangelist. Well, then, but remember, here it is. I started fasting and praying, seeking God, and he let me know I was a pastor. But I didn't know how to pastor. I, I had no idea how to pastor. So you know what I did? I, I preached Brother Copeland's messages. I preached what Satan saw on the day of Pentecost. What happened from the cross to the throne? Amen. The word of faith. The greatest faith. I mean, message after message after message after message. Amen. See, God told me I was a faith builder. He told me our job was to build faith and frame worlds by the word of God. I, I was a pastor now. I had to preach four or five times a week. I, di I didn't have the bullets in my gun for five services or four services a week. So I became unafraid to preach somebody else's message. Because you got to pick it up and keep the revelation going. When, when you listen to the messages that Brother Copeland, and, and I've, got, I've got an entire huge box full of cassette tapes of his, from some from the 70s, some from the, some from the very early 70s. A lady gave them to me. She said she didn't have no use for them. Gimme, gimme. Right? Just years ago. But here's my point. When you listen to that, the, the revelation, the, the freshness of the anointing is so on those tapes. You know what he was doing? Picking up what Kenneth Hagin taught. Picking up what he learned from Oral Roberts. If, if you get in a hurry and you just want to be your own voice, you can get off. Because the voices that have went before you are safe. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. That, that, that's vital. That, that's vital. Now, let me hurry. Let me, let me try to finish with this. I'm watching my time. Just because I want to respect your time. You know, Smith Wigglesworth prophesied when he was praying for Dr. Lester Summerall. And he said what was coming, he saw four moves of God. I won't take the time to go through all of them, but the last one, he said, it will be the greatest revival this world has ever seen. He said it's going to be a wave of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, we've always had the gifts of the Spirit in operation in our churches. But this is on a, on a scale not seen before. Now, notice, why is this important? 
Somebody saying that. He said, the ministry gifts will be flowing on planet Earth. Brother Hagan and Dr. Dufresne, each before they went home, one of the last things that they kept saying prophetically about this era that we're in is that you'd see all five ministerial gifts functioning in full potential power. We've never seen any individual human man other than Jesus function in the full potential power of those gifts. I'm ready. I, I tell the Lord all the time, I'm ready to pastor in full potential power. What, what will that look like? What impact will that have on my church? What impact will that have on our city? Hallelujah. And he said, I see hospitals being emptied out. Now, I know people will say, well, that's impossible. No, it's not. Not if you've got the ministry gifts operating in full potential power. What, what would happen if one evangelist went into Baptist or St. Vincent's operating in full potential power of that evangelistic gift? Everybody would get up. Well, now here's the thing. This is not my focus, per se, consistently. Somebody's got to be saying that. Somebody's got to be saying, this is coming. Somebody's got to just quit planning from year to year. This is what God wants to do. I want to be in the middle of it. Dr. Summerall used to say this, Lord, don't do anything on planet Earth what I'm not right in the middle of. And he was in the middle of every revival except this last one. He was in the middle of the word of faith he was in, or, or the voice of healing. He was in the middle of the charismatic renewal, the middle of the word of faith. And I'm quite certain if he was alive today, he'd be in the middle of this one. Amen. Now, so we have to prepare for it. What's the steps to preparation? Let me give them to you. There's three of them. We talked about them this morning, but I'm quite certain the Lord will say some different things. Number one, consecrate ourselves. Consecrate ourselves. Now, that, that's not a word that we hear a lot today. <laughs> and I won't get into a lot of the, the whys. But consecration gets a bad, like we say, a bad rap. Because people think of consecration like they think about holiness. That's a list of do's and don'ts. I have more freedom living holy than I ever did living the other way. Because holiness just means set-apartness. I'm set apart for something other than this. So consecrate. Consecration is just this. It's a loss of desire for other things. To see what God wants me to see and have, I've got to desire it more than I desire other things. So that there has to be this consecration there are things i've got to lose a desire for and desire the flow of this era more oh hallelujah do, do you see that and I, and i emphasize this in in this era everybody but especially men and women of god we got to be more people of prayer 
is the business of heaven. My, my wife told me one time, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I said, I'll talk to people and I'll say, hey, I'd like to get together with you and pray. Uh, there's some things I'd like to pray out. And they just kind of look at me like a dog at a new dish. You know what that's like? And my wife said something to me. You know, it's good to be married to a Holy Ghost wife. You know what she said? She said, Philip, many ministers in this generation don't know what it means to pray something out. And, and then I could see it. Hallelujah. I was praying it in the back this morning today. I, I went in the back and was praying at, at 9 o'clock. And, and, and I say this just for you to understand something. When, when I got back there and started, nobody was back there with me. And so I just found a chair over in the corner. And I got on my knees and I started praying and, 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 and begin to pray into some things. And, and within a matter of moments, I was lost in the spirit. Because, because there's a flow. The only way I know to explain it is this. When you get over there in the spirit in your prayer time, you start moving things. And I can't explain it to you if you don't ever do it. But it's, it's like you're grabbing a hold of it with your spiritual hands and you're moving it. You're, you're moving it out of the way. That, that's, what, that's, that's, that's where God's asking his ministers to get to. Hallelujah. Because, because, because that, that is... <laughs> Hallelujah. I was talking to somebody, and, and I was talking about these things. And uh, they, they began to tell me everything that was going on in their life. There's things I have to lose a desire for. You know, I like to watch a good television program, but not at the cost of the plan. Is that right? I, I, I don't, if you get on my phone, my iPad, I don't have social media on any of my devices. I don't have the internet on any of my devices. The most I have is you can text me and email me. Now, people say, well, why are you afraid of something? No, I don't have time to waste. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that. That's me. I am an information junkie. Right? So I made the decision. Not going to have that because it'll waste my time. We live in a society that's so about recreation that we can recreate at the lake and then we come home and we can recreate on the couch on our device. It's like it doesn't change. There's nothing sacred anymore. For the man and woman of God in this era, there has to be a sacred time. There has, there has to be a return to seeking God with my whole heart about which direction do you want me to go and what do you want, what do you want me to do. This is that consecration. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and let me just give you a piece of advice. If a seasoned minister, man or woman of God, if they ask you to join them in their prayer time, you move off your calendar whatever you got to move to go be with them. Why? 
Because they can show you in their prayer time what little results you've been satisfied with. I've been around people that prayed and I thought, dear God, you mean I've been satisfied with that little poultry prayer life I've been having? This is important. I say this is important because this is where God's bringing us. These are those elements that God said he was going to bring from our past, our Pentecostal heritage, our Pentecostal upbringing. And he said, I'm going to unite it with what you've learned in the word of faith. And you're going to be a, a, a generation and a church that flows in the word and the spirit. Hallelujah. I got two more. I'm going to hurry. Number, number two, dedicate yourself to the plan. Consecrate yourself to the plan. Dedicate yourself to the plan. We're, we have to be dedicated to see this come to pass. See, you're here on, on Sunday night. You're watching online. See, you're dedicated. You're dedicated to see this thing come to pass. I know that everybody will be able to give more or less time. I know that there's, there's families that you'll be able to dedicate more or less. But here's the thing. When you show up, it shows you're dedicated. I got to be careful when I say this. People that don't show up get nothing. Get nothing. There, there's something about being in the proximity of the anointing that makes a difference. Because there's proclamations that go forth. I learned years ago, I pay whatever price necessary to be with the people that are flowing where God wants me to be flowing. Hallelujah. That, 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 that's so important. When people want to come into our fellowship and they say, well, you know, Pastor, uh, 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 you know, if I become a part of your fellowship, what do you expect of me? Well, well, here's a better here. Here's here's a better question. What do you want to receive? Because what you want to receive will determine my response. I mean, if if if, if you want to walk in 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 what God has for you anointing wise, then when we have meetings, we have special meetings. You need to be there and not just for a pop in. If it's a four-night meeting, you need to be at the four-night meeting. If it's six days of faith, you need to be at six days of faith. Why? Because that's a time to set apart for the fellowship. Does that make sense? When, when my wife and I got hooked up with Fresh Oil Fellowship, Pastor Nancy's uh, 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 organization, and we're with FCF as well, uh, to uh, honoring Sister Pat and that heritage and drawing from that anointing of her and Brother Buddy. But here, here's the thing is... When I, when I signed up and I said, I'm a part of this fellowship, I don't want to be that guy that shows up at the meetings and everybody's like, who's he? If I'm a part of that fellowship, I'm going. Does it cost? Yes, it costs. But are you dedicated to be with the people that God called you to flow with? Does that make sense? Oh, Hallelujah. And then number three, I have to activate. So I have to consecrate, I have to dedicate, and I have to activate. That means I get involved. What can I do to see this come to pass? That, that doesn't just mean, you know, being an usher or a greeter, that's all important, and we want you to help out in those areas, AV department, praise and worship. But here's the thing. How can I uh, uh, get involved? In other words, can, I can pray. 
I can pray. I can declare these things over my church, over my city, and I can commit. I can pray, I can declare, and I can commit. You will never know the, 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 the influx of power that will come in your life when you just commit to that thing. Hallelujah. So, this is what he wants. And I ask myself, can we do it? We can do it. Will we commit? We will commit. Will we press? We will press. And we'll see God do what he wants to do. Hallelujah. Because we're that portal in, into our city. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Father. So, Father, tonight, we just thank you for the word. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, for all that you've done, all that you're going to do. Lord, just as a body, as a group of believers in this body, in this location, we have made that decision that we're pressing into these things that you've called us to do. And we believe, we believe, Lord, that we're called into this city and into this county and into this state for such a time as this. And Lord, we're not here just to build a church. We're not here just to build a building. We're here to see your plan come to fruition. And so our goal, our job, our desire, our commitment is whatever you say, sir, that's what we'll do. In whatever capacity, Lord, we'll take our faith and we'll believe for it. And we'll receive it. We'll receive that building at the right time. We'll receive those lands at the right time. We'll walk in all of it. And Lord, we'll be a blessing. And we'll see great things in our city that'll bring glory to your name. And Father, we praise you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's stand up tonight, shall we? I believe we've heard from heaven. Glory be to God. Bible school tomorrow night. We're excited about it. Now, if, if you normally come to prayer, come on to prayer from 6 to 6.30. And uh, then at 6.30, we'll start class. And uh, you can go home and do whatever you want to do. Go get a sandwich or something. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But uh, we also have satellite in Kansas. Uh, we got a satellite class in Kansas. So uh, this is, I believe, if not the biggest, one of the biggest classes we've ever had. And so we're excited about what God's doing. So come hungry and come prepared. Amen. Come on, say it with me tonight, would you? The vision of this church is to build people's faith and frame their world by the word of God. You and I will always be world changers. God bless you are available to you free of charge can be found at buildfaith.net or at any of our location media stores. As always, keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God.